Well, good morning, Contact family. Uh, we're going to go back to Babylon today. We're going to be back looking at the story of Daniel. And today is our probably most famous story in the book of Daniel. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, which is Daniel and the lion's den. Uh, because of that, it's a real pop. Yeah, I saw some excitement. There's a lot of excitement back at my house, too, for Daniel and the Lion's Den. We've been watching all kinds of Daniel and the Lion's Den stuff. And so we're going to see one page from four different children's Bibles as we go through here that have pictures from Daniel and the Lion's Den, because these are things that we read a lot back at my house. And so I thought we'd put them in there just for fun. Before we get there, as we do every week, let's do our quick review. Babylon. What is Babylon country that shows up from Genesis to Revelation all the way from chapter 10. It is founded on bloodshed and is not the way that God intended for things to be. It represents the culmination of a group of people working together in opposition to God when it is started and as it shows up throughout the whole biblical story all the way to the book of Revelation, it is always in opposition to God's kingdom. Now, in opposition to God's kingdom doesn't mean it has a chance against God's kingdom, which is something that we also learn in the book of Daniel. Human kingdoms in contrast to God's kingdom, and as we're here in the story, all of Israel and Judah is in exile, so everyone has been taken out of their land by Assyria and Babylon, and they are not getting to live where God had placed them because they abandoned God's law. Most of them, but not all of them, right? Because what have we been seeing? Stories about Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and the way that they stood fast and followed what God wanted, even in the midst of having been sent into exile and taken away from the land God had promised. Where are we at? Chapter 1, Daniel and his friends taken captive, but they keep God's values. They're going to go ahead and eat the way that God had told them to. This actually reflects the way that God had given humanity food in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. King Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2, he has this giant statue dream where he's the head of gold, and then there's silver and bronze and iron and clay, and it gets dashed to pieces by a rock that turns into a mountain and covers the whole earth and lasts forever. And so we learn from that, kingdoms are not going to last. Nebuchadnezzar learns from that, that he should build a golden statue. So in chapter 3, he builds a 90-foot-tall golden statue and tells everyone they have to worship it. But Daniel's friends say, we're not going to do that. We'd rather be thrown into the fiery furnace than worship that. And he says, into the furnace you go, but they do not die because God saves them because they are being faithful to God. Nebuchadnezzar almost gets it. He tells people that they need to worship God, but then he doesn't quite get it. And so he has a dream in chapter 4, and it's this giant tree, and then it gets chopped down. And Daniel says, you are the, dream, you are the tree. You're going to get chopped down if you don't humble yourself before God. Do what's right. Turn from your sins. Take care of the down and out, and it's going to be all right. He doesn't do that a year later. He looks at his kingdom and says, man, I did it, and turns into an animal. The ways that he had been acting when we don't live God's way. You remember day six in the garden. We're created the same day as what? Animals. We're created the same day as the animals. But we are set apart from the animals. So there's something that connects us to the animals, but we're set apart. But when we don't live the way God intended for us, what do we become like? We become like animals. We, we follow our base instincts. We just do whatever it is that we think comes natural instead of using what God has given us that is in his image to reflect the way that we can be as rulers alongside God, the way we were created. 
Nebuchadnezzar, after he turns into an animal, seven years, he wanders around eating grass. And then he wakes up and he praises God. And he realizes, man, I wasn't doing it right. And then his son, Belshazzar, misses the point and loses his life and his kingdom. And that puts us in chapter 6, where Babylon and the Babylonian kingdom has fallen to another kingdom. So the head of gold has been what? Dashed to pieces now. We've moved on to the next phase, the chest of silver. Cycle repeats. Babylon's conquered by the Medes and the Persians is the next kingdom, and they're going to get conquered eventually. And the kingdom after them is going to get conquered eventually, and so on and so forth. But we're here in this next one. And I just want you to pay attention, and we're gonna, I'll, I'll make some references to it. Look at how chapter 6 reflects on all the things that have happened in the first five chapters. What you're going to see in this chapter is an echo of all the things you've already seen. Why is that? That's what keeps happening, right? That's what all these human kingdoms are. They're all the same in some way, right? They don't get God. They don't follow God the way they need to. But the people of God stand in opposition to that for what God wants. And that's just how it keeps on going, and it keeps on going, and it keeps on going, and we face that today still, because we still see that the human kingdom is the kingdom around us, does a lot of good things, does a lot of things that don't reflect God's values as well. All right, Daniel quickly rises under the new king, Darius, because he's trustworthy and full of integrity. He always does what's right. The king, Darius, the new king, notices that. Have we seen Daniel get promoted to high places of prominence before? Yep. Yep, he sure did. Jealousy of other officials leads to a target on Daniel's back. Have we seen the other people be jealous of Daniel and his friends before? Do you call somebody out who's not bowing to the statue if you're friends with them? Or do you cover for your friends? You cover for your friends. When you, when you want to get them in trouble, that's when you go tell on them, right? And so we've seen that before in the story of the fiery furnace. All right, let's start in verse 5, chapter 6. Finally, these men said, because they're jealous of Daniel, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. What have they figured out? Daniel is always going to, that's right, follow God. So they go to the king, and they appeal to his pride. Have we heard about a king's pride before? in an attempt to destroy Daniel. So here's our first picture. This is from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Can you see those, those guys? They're all crowded around. King Darius in the center. Up to no good, right? They're plotting something no good. Verse 7, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, and advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Did you catch that last part? If the king says yes to this, he cannot change it. He can't go back on it. So if someone breaks this, it has to be followed through. Now what's the king thinking? I am pretty great. I'm a pretty great guy. I think it would be pretty great if people prayed to me. I mean, I won't hear them, but that would be pretty great. 
because I, I, I'm basically a god myself. So, yeah, this is great. This is a good idea. I love it. Let's do it, for sure. So the king says yes, and what does Daniel do? Daniel goes, and he hides in his closet. He gets under his bed, and he does it as quietly as he can so that nobody sees him. And he prays to God, right, like he always has. Nope. Daniel goes like he has every day his entire life. He opens up his window. He turns and faces Jerusalem, and he prays to God. He gets down on his knees before God. So you see, this is from the Rhyme Bible. And you can see there, Daniel is going to go ahead and pray, even though he's been told not to. And what do you see behind that purple curtain? Somebody said a snitch, I think. <laughs> you, you are correct. <laughs> yep, there's the guy whose job was to go. And yep, as we expected, Daniel is doing what we knew Daniel would do. We've got him. We've got him. He's been doing this for years and years. We've been having to put up with him under Nebuchadnezzar and all the other kings. We've got him finally. This is it. Verse 13, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. You see, the king liked Daniel. The king had immediately promoted Daniel because he'd watched Daniel for a minute and said, this guy's got it. This guy is doing the right thing. But man, what did he let get in the way? He let his pride get in the way. He did what he shouldn't have done, and now it's going to cost Daniel his life, he thinks. But he, he tries to fight it, right? He tries to fight it. But then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Sorry, king. We got Daniel and we got you. We got this locked down. This is it for Daniel. We've got him. So the king gave the order. And by the way, when I was a young lad in sixth grade, I went to a Christian school, and we did a Daniel play, and I played one of these uh, evil people. So I'm getting back into character. <laughs> so the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Did you hear that? Did the, did the king already know Daniel was serving God? But man, he wasn't thinking about it. He wasn't thinking about it. He was thinking about himself. But even still, he says, man, I hope God rescues you. So here's Daniel falling into the lion's den. This is from the Laugh and Grow Bible. It's a new one by the guy who did Veggie Tales. I really like it. A little phrase up there at the top. It says, very sadly, the king watched as Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. I hope your God can save you, he said. I hope your God can save you. Stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. No hope for Daniel, they think. Well, the king might have an idea. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Man, does he know he's messed up? There's the guy who knows he's messed up. And, and that's the thing. In some way, just like Nebuchadnezzar finally got it, 
Darius is finally realizing, ah, ah, I've done something wrong. I have put myself in a position I shouldn't have been in. And I also know something about this God Daniel worships. And in some way, he's not really repenting. He's not really whatever. But, but he is kind of recognizing, I have sinned. I've sinned here. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? You know how long he waited. Did Daniel immediately answer? Did Daniel make him sweat for a few minutes? I don't know. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. <clears throat> the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. This is from the story for little ones. And there's Daniel with the lions. The stones rolled away, and he gets to come out. God has saved him. God has saved him. Just like he saved his friends from the fiery furnace, because he didn't abandon God's way, even when it would have been easy. Would it have been easy to take a 30-day break from praying? Would it have been easy to try to do it sneakily? Sure. But that Daniel's way he's going to do it? No. No, he's going to be faithful to God. Now, I didn't put the rest of the text in here. King Darius says, well, I've got a new law for you. Anyone who tried to hurt Daniel now gets thrown into the lion's den with their families instead. And before those people hit the ground, their bones had been broken and the lions dashed them to pieces. So, our big question, and we've been talking about this whole series, because that's the story that we're for today. And that's a really, you saw how it kind of overlapped the other stories, right? How there are pieces that you could easily say, yeah, yeah, this has been happening, and that this is just the next part of this cycle that's going to go on and on. So the big question we've been asking this whole time is which kingdom are you going to be a part of? Okay? We've got the kingdoms of this world, we've got the kingdom we live in, we've got God's kingdom. And there's something about God's kingdom that it can exist um, inside and among all these other kingdoms on earth, because God's kingdom has no borders. It's in all the countries. But it's, it's greater than the countries, right? But there's this thing, and you, you cannot be 100% in service to this world and God's kingdom. Do you all ever hit face that? Do you ever hit that with something? Do you ever see something that the country wants or that this world wants? And you say, man, that is not... I cannot walk with you any further. I can walk with you so far, but somewhere we got to switch direction because there's something else that God wants here that you guys don't get. You face that sometimes? We all do. We all bump up against that every once in a while. And maybe it's something that's really intense. Maybe it's something that's really small. But the things that this world wants, the things that the people of this world want who have given their allegiance not to God but to their own desires, who have let the beast be in charge instead of letting God be in charge. Are always, there's always going to be a place where we can't go all the way with them. 
And this world may come at you for living out God's will and way. Now, it might not. There's a lot of blessings about living here in the United States, right? We have a lot of freedom to do things the way that we believe is right. No one is coming in here and trying to stop us from worshiping God. No one is in here trying to censor me from telling you that some of the values of America don't line up with the values of God's kingdom, right? And that's a blessing to be in a place where we can, where we can do that. That is a great blessing. But there are also things where when we live the way that God has called us to live, that it's not just going to bump up a little bit. It's going to bump up a lot against what is desired by people outside the walls. And there could be a time when real risk comes to us from that. That happened to Daniel. That happened to his friends. What did they choose to do? Are we going to bend? Are we going to stick it out? There's so many beautiful stories. So many beautiful stories of the martyrs, of those who died and gave up their lives. They did not count their lives worthy of holding on to. In the face of the empire, especially the Roman Empire, and then we have stories from many, many later years, who said, I can't cross this line, and I won't. What are we going to do? Who are we going to be? We've got to decide now. We've got to decide now, because if we try to decide then, we're going to break. Daniel had already been praying to God every day, three times a day, facing Jerusalem. Every day. Are we already every day putting our trust and allegiance and our hope in God and doing the things that we, when we get to that point, will hold us through? Now here's the weird thing about this. The world might not like it. They might want to come at us for some of these things. The really strange thing is living God's way will bless and positively transform this world. What happened when Daniel and his friends stuck to the dietary laws? They were healthier. The other guys didn't get to eat as much meat and wine anymore. They started having to eat the fruits and vegetables, but they were healthier too. What happened when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down to the idol? Nebuchadnezzar stopped making people bow down to the idol because he realized God was stronger. What happened when Nebuchadnezzar was humbled before God? He started paying more attention to the other people like he was supposed to. What happened when Darius realized he was wrong and Daniel came through the lion's den? The same thing. He said, hey, you got to worship this God. He's got something going on for real. The thing is, when we, and this isn't, they weren't picket signing. They weren't yelling and railing. They stood their ground for themselves and said, we are part of this kingdom. This is how we are going to be. And it actually ended up transforming the kingdom around them. Because God's kingdom is bizarre. It's upside down. The way it works is crazy. What did our king do? Did our king get a gold crown and bring in all the money and stand on the back of people's feet like these other kings have done or on, on their backs? No. He went on a cross and he dies. He gives up his life for us. 
and it transforms us, and it creates us into a new way we can be. And when we follow a king, and when we are part of a kingdom with values like that, this place doesn't understand. This place we live in doesn't understand. Because we are doing this not just so we can go to heaven. We are doing this because God loves them, and God wants to use us to help transform this place. And that's good news. That's good news. In John, Jesus washes his disciples' feet in chapter 13, shows how he's a servant. Then he talks to them about the Holy Spirit coming. He talks to them about the pain and the risk that they are going to face and how they are going to be called before judges, how they are going to be put in danger but that they are going to have the Holy Spirit to comfort them and to speak for them when they need it. And at the very end of this long discourse he gives to his disciples, the very last verse, this might be my favorite verse in the Bible, he says, I told you these things so you might have peace, is how this verse starts. So you might have peace. If someone tells you you're about to suffer a lot or you're about to go and people are not going to like you, do you think that's, that you're going to have peace? I didn't feel like it, but God's saying, I put, when you went down in the waters of baptism, God put his spirit inside of you. Your spirit lives in you. And it is helping you transform and become more like Jesus. It is there for you also to receive comfort. To receive comfort. He says, I've told you these things so you might have peace. In this world, you could possibly, in this world, you might sometimes, in this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. Do we see that in this book of, book of Daniel? Yeah. In this world, you will have trouble. You ready? You ready for the next slide? I'm ready for it. But take heart. I have overcome the world. When you are making the decision about which kingdom you want to be part of, I want you to think about this. The story has already been written. The ending is already secure. When did Jesus go up on his throne? He was exalted on the cross. And we're going to talk about that more next week. I'm excited about next week. Jesus already won victory. Jesus already conquered death. Jesus already defeated sin and evil. Jesus is already enthroned as king forever. Do you want to be part of the kingdoms of the statue that get blown into pieces and blown away? Or do you want to be part of the kingdom that has already established its reign forever? Take heart, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. How did he do it? By dying. We might be called to some things that are difficult. We might be called to some things that are scary. But I can promise you on the other side of that is Christ in his glory. And that is good, good news. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Nothing. There is nothing that can defeat what God is trying to do in you. There is nothing stronger than our God. Whose kingdom do you want to be part of? The ones that keep falling apart? 
or the one that lasts forever. In a second, we'll offer the invitation. Like we did last week, we read some words of Nebuchadnezzar. This week, I want to read you some words of Darius at the end of the chapter. It says in chapter 6, it says, For he is a living God. He endures forever. This is what Darius has realized after the lion's den. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. God wants to rescue you too. God's kingdom never ends. Will you join it? If you haven't, now's the time. If you need anything else, prayers or anything, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. Well, good morning, contact family. Uh, We're going to go back to Babylon today. We're going to be back looking at the story of Daniel. And today is our probably most famous story in the book of Daniel. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, which is Daniel and the lion's den. Uh, Because of that, it's a real popular, yeah, I saw some excitement. There's a lot of excitement back at my house, too, for Daniel and the Lion's Den. We've been watching all kinds of Daniel and the Lion's Den stuff. And so we're going to see one page from four different children's Bibles as we go through here that have pictures from Daniel and the Lion's Den, because these are things that we read a lot back at my house. And so I thought we'd put them in there just for fun. Before we get there, as we do every week, let's do our quick review. Babylon, what is Babylon? country that shows up from Genesis to Revelation, all the way from chapter 10, it is founded on bloodshed and is not the way that God intended for things to be. It represents the culmination of a group of people working together in opposition to God when it is started and as it shows up throughout the whole biblical story all the way to the book of Revelation, it is always in opposition to God's kingdom. Now, in opposition to God's kingdom doesn't mean it has a chance against God's kingdom, which is something that we also learn in the book of Daniel. Human kingdoms in contrast to God's kingdom, and as we're here in the story, all of Israel and Judah is in exile, so everyone has been taken out of their land by Assyria and Babylon, and they are not getting to live where God had placed them because they abandoned God's law. Most of them, but not all of them, right? Because what have we been seeing? Stories about Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and the way that they stood fast and followed what God wanted, even in the midst of having been sent into exile and taken away from the land God had promised. Where are we at? Chapter 1, Daniel and his friends taken captive, but they keep God's values. They're going to go ahead and eat the way that God had told them to. This actually reflects the way that God had given humanity food in the Garden of Eden in Genesis Chapter 2 and 3. King Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2 is this giant statue dream where he's the head of gold, and then there's silver and bronze and iron and clay, and it gets dashed to pieces by a rock that turns into a mountain and covers the whole earth and lasts forever. And so we learn from that kingdoms are not going to last. Nebuchadnezzar learns from that that he should build a golden statue. So in chapter 3, he builds a 90-foot-tall golden statue and tells everyone they have to worship it. But Daniel's friends say, we're not going to do that. We'd rather be thrown into the fiery furnace than worship that. And he says, into the furnace you go, but they do not die because God saves them because they are being faithful to God. Nebuchadnezzar almost gets it. He tells people that they need to worship God, but then he doesn't quite get it. And so he has a dream in chapter 4, and it's this giant tree, and then it gets chopped down, 
and Daniel says, you are the dream, you are the tree, you're going to get chopped down if you don't humble yourself before God. Do what's right, turn from your sins, take care of the down and out, and it's going to be all right. He doesn't do that a year later. He looks at his kingdom and says, man, I did it, and turns into an animal. The ways that he had been acting when we don't live God's way. You remember day six in the garden, we're created the same day as what? animals. We're created the same day as the animals, but we are set apart from the animals. So there's something that connects us to the animals, but we're set apart. But when we don't live the way God intended for us, what do we become like? We become like animals. We, we follow our base instincts. We just do whatever it is that we think comes natural instead of using what God has given us that is in his image to reflect the way that we can be as rulers alongside God, the way we were created. Nebuchadnezzar, after he turns into an animal, seven years, he wanders around eating grass. And then he wakes up and he praises God. And he realizes, man, I wasn't doing it right. And then his son, Belshazzar, misses the point and loses his life and his kingdom. And that puts us in chapter 6, where Babylon and the Babylonian kingdom has fallen to another kingdom. So the head of gold has been what? dashed to pieces now. We've moved on to the next phase, the chest of silver. Cycle repeats. Babylon's conquered by the Medes and the Persians is the next kingdom, and they're going to get conquered eventually. And the kingdom after them is going to get conquered eventually, and so on and so forth. But we're here in this next one. And I just want you to pay attention, and we're gonna, I'll, I'll make some references to it. Look at how chapter 6 reflects on all the things that have happened in the first five chapters. What you're going to see in this chapter is an echo of all the things you've already seen. Why is that? That's what keeps happening, right? That's what all these human kingdoms are. They're all the same in some way, right? They don't get God. They don't follow God the way they need to. But the people of God stand in opposition to that for what God wants. And that's just how it keeps on going. And it keeps on going and it keeps on going. And we face that today still because we still see that the human kingdoms, the kingdom around us, does a lot of good things, does a lot of things that don't reflect God's values as well. All right, Daniel quickly rises under the new king, Darius, because he's trustworthy and full of integrity. He always does what's right. The king, Darius, the new king, notices that. Have we seen Daniel get promoted to high places of prominence before? Yep. Yep, he sure did. Jealousy of other officials leads to a target on Daniel's back. Have we seen the other people be jealous of Daniel and his friends before. Do you call somebody out who's not bowing to the statue if you're friends with them? Or do you cover for your friends? You cover for your friends. When you, when you want to get them in trouble, that's when you go tell on them, right? And so we've seen that before in the story of the fiery furnace. All right, let's start in verse 5, chapter 6. Finally, these men said, because they're jealous of Daniel, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. What have they figured out? Daniel is always going to, that's right, follow God. So they go to the king, and they appeal to his pride. Have we heard about a king's pride before? Yep. In an attempt to destroy Daniel. So here's our first picture. This is from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Can you see those... Those guys, they're all crowded around King Darius in the center, up to no good, right? 
They're plotting something no good. Verse 7, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, and advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Did you catch that last part? If the king says yes to this, he cannot change it. He can't go back on it. So if someone breaks this, it has to be followed through. Now what's the king thinking? I am pretty great. I'm a pretty great guy. I think it'd be pretty great if people prayed to me. I mean, I won't hear them, but that'd be pretty great. Because I, I, I'm basically a god myself. So, yeah, this is great. This is a good idea. I love it. Let's do it, for sure. So the king says yes, and what does Daniel do? Daniel goes, and he hides in his closet. He gets under his bed, and he does it as quietly as he can so that nobody sees him. And he prays to God, right, like he always has. Nope. Daniel goes like he has every day his entire life. He opens up his window. He turns and faces Jerusalem, and he prays to God. He gets down on his knees before God. Do you see This is from the Rhyme Bible. And you can see there, Daniel is going to go ahead and pray, even though he's been told not to. And what do you see behind that purple curtain? <laughs> Somebody said a snitch, I think. <laughs> you, you are correct. <laughs> yep, there's the guy whose job was to go. And yep, as we expected, Daniel is doing what we knew Daniel would do. We've got him. We've got him. He's been doing this for years and years. We've been having to put up with him under Nebuchadnezzar and all the other kings. We've got him finally. This is it. Verse 13, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. You see, the king liked Daniel. The king had immediately promoted Daniel because he'd watched Daniel for a minute and said, this guy's got it. This guy is doing the right thing. But man, what did he let get in the way? He let his pride get in the way. He did what he shouldn't have done, and now it's going to cost Daniel his life, he thinks. But he, he tries to fight it, right? He tries to fight it. But then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Sorry, king. We got Daniel and we got you. We got this locked down. This is it for Daniel. We've got him. So the king gave the order. And by the way, when I was a young lad in sixth grade, I went to a Christian school and we did a Daniel play and I played one of these uh, evil people. So I'm getting back into character. <laughs> so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Did you hear that? Did the, did the king already know Daniel was serving God? But man, he wasn't thinking about it. He wasn't thinking about it. He was thinking about himself. But even still, he says, man, I hope God rescues you. 
So here's Daniel falling into the lion's den. This is from the Laugh and Grow Bible. It's a new one by the guy who did Veggie Tales. I really like it. A little phrase up there at the top. It says, very sadly, the king watched as Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. I hope your God can save you, he said. I hope your God can save you. Stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. No hope for Daniel, they think. Well, the king might have an idea. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Man, does he know he's messed up? There's the guy who knows he's messed up. And, and that's the thing. In some way, just like Nebuchadnezzar finally got it, Darius is finally realizing, ah, ah, I've done something wrong. I have put myself in a position I shouldn't have been in. And I also know something about this God Daniel worships. And in some way, he's not really repenting. He's not really whatever. But, but he is kind of recognizing, I have sinned. I've sinned here. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? You know how long he waited. Did Daniel immediately answer? Did Daniel make him sweat for a few minutes? I don't know. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. <clears throat> the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. This is from the story for little ones. And there's Daniel with the lions. The stones rolled away and he gets to come out. God has saved him. God has saved him. Just like he saved his friends from the fiery furnace because he didn't abandon God's way, even when it would have been easy. Would it have been easy to take a 30-day break from praying? Would it have been easy to try to do it sneakily? Sure. Was that Daniel's way he was going to do it? No. No, he was going to be faithful to God. Now, I didn't put the rest of the text in here. King Darius says, well, I've got a new law for you. Anyone who tried to hurt Daniel now gets thrown into the lion's den with their families instead. And before those people hit the ground, their bones had been broken and the lions dashed them to pieces. So, our big question, and we've been talking about this whole series, because that's the story that we're for today. And that's a really, you saw how it kind of overlapped the other stories, right? How there are pieces that you could easily say, yeah, yeah, this has been happening, and that this is just the next part of this cycle that's going to go on and on. So the big question we've been asking this whole time is which kingdom are you going to be a part of? Okay? We've got the kingdoms of this world. We've got the kingdom we live in. We've got God's kingdom. And there's something about God's kingdom that it can exist um, inside and among all these other kingdoms on earth because God's kingdom has no borders. It's in all the countries. But it's, it's greater than the countries, right? But there's this thing 
And you, you cannot be 100% in service to this world and God's kingdom. Do you all ever hit face that? Do you ever hit that with something? Do you ever see something that the country wants or that this world wants? And you say, man, that is not. I cannot walk with you any further. I can walk with you so far, but somewhere we got to switch direction because there's something else that God wants here that you guys don't get. You face that sometimes? We all do. We all bump up against that every once in a while. And maybe it's something that's really intense. Maybe it's something that's really small. But the things that this world wants, the things that the people of this world want, who have given their allegiance not to God, but to their own desires, who have let the beast be in charge instead of letting God be in charge, are always, there's always going to be a place where we can't go all the way with them. And this world may come at you for living out God's will and way. Now, it might not. There's a lot of blessings about living here in the United States, right? We have a lot of freedom to do things the way that we believe is right. No one is coming in here and trying to stop us from worshiping God. No one is in here trying to censor me from telling you that some of the values of America don't line up with the values of God's kingdom, right? And that's a blessing to be in a place where we can, where we can do that. That is a great blessing. But there are also things where when we live the way that God has called us to live, that it's not just going to bump up a little bit. It's going to bump up a lot against what is desired by people outside the walls. And there could be a time when real risk comes to us from that. That happened to Daniel. That happened to his friends. What did they choose to do? Are we going to bend? Are we going to stick it out? There's so many beautiful stories. So many beautiful stories of the martyrs, of those who died and gave up their lives. They did not count their lives worthy of holding on to. In the face of the empire, especially the Roman Empire, and then we have stories from many, many later years, who said, I can't cross this line, and I won't. What are we going to do? Who are we going to be? We've got to decide now. We've got to decide now, because if we try to decide then, we're going to break. Daniel had already been praying to God every day, three times a day, facing Jerusalem. Every day. Are we already every day putting our trust and allegiance and our hope in God and doing the things that we, when we get to that point, will hold us through? Now, here's the weird thing about this. The world might not like it. They might want to come at us for some of these things. The really strange thing is, living God's way will bless and positively transform this world. What happened when Daniel and his friends stuck to the dietary laws? They were healthier. The other guys didn't get to eat as much meat and wine anymore. They started having to eat the fruits and vegetables, but they were healthier too. What happened when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down to the idol. Nebuchadnezzar stopped making people bow down to the idol because he realized God was stronger. What happened when Nebuchadnezzar was humbled before God? He started paying more attention to the other people like he was supposed to. What happened when Darius 
realized he was wrong, and Daniel came through the lion's den. The same thing. They said, hey, you got to worship this God. He's got something going on, for real. The thing is, when we, and this isn't, they weren't picket signing. They weren't yelling and railing. They stood their ground for themselves and said, we are part of this kingdom. This is how we are going to be. And it actually ended up transforming the kingdom around them. Because God's kingdom is bizarre. It's upside down. The way it works is crazy. What did our king do? Did our king get a gold crown and bring in all the money and stand on the back of people's feet like these other kings have done or on, on their backs? No. He went on a cross and he dies. He gives up his life for us. And it transforms us. And it creates us into a new way we can be. And when we follow a king and when we are part of a kingdom with values like that, this place doesn't understand. This place we live in doesn't understand. Because we are doing this not just so we can go to heaven. We are doing this because God loves them. And God wants to use us to help transform this place. And that's good news. That's good news. In John, Jesus washes his disciples' feet in chapter 13, shows how he's a servant. Then he talks to them about the Holy Spirit coming. He talks to them about the pain and the risk that they are going to face and how they are going to be called before judges, how they are going to be put in danger, but that they are going to have the Holy Spirit to comfort them and to speak for them when they need it. And at the very end of this long discourse he gives to his disciples, very last verse, this might be my favorite verse in the Bible, it says, I told you these things so you might have peace, is how this verse starts. So you might have peace. If someone tells you you're about to suffer a lot, or you're about to go and people are not going to like you, do you think that's, that you're going to have peace? It doesn't feel like it, but God's saying, I put, when you went down in that waters of baptism, God put his spirit inside of you. Your spirit lives in you. And it is helping you transform and become more like Jesus. It's there for you also to receive comfort. To receive comfort. He says, I've told you these things so you might have peace. In this world, you could possibly, in this world, you might sometimes, in this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. Do we see that in the book, book of Daniel? Yeah. In this world, you will have trouble. You ready? You ready for the next slide? I'm ready for it. But take heart. I have overcome the world. When you are making the decision about which kingdom you want to be part of, I want you to think about this. The story has already been written. The ending is already secure. When did Jesus go up on his throne? He was exalted on the cross. And we're going to talk about that more next week. I'm excited about next week. Jesus already won victory. Jesus already conquered death. Jesus already defeated sin and evil. Jesus is already enthroned as king forever. Do you want to be part of the kingdoms of the statue 
they get blown into pieces and blown away? Or do you want to be part of a kingdom that has already established its reign forever? Take heart, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. How did he do it? By dying. We might be called to some things that are difficult. We might be called to some things that are scary. But I can promise you on the other side of that is Christ in his glory. And that is good, good news. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Nothing. There is nothing that can defeat what God is trying to do in you. There is nothing stronger than our God. Whose kingdom do you want to be part of? The ones that keep falling apart or the one that lasts forever? In a second, we'll offer the invitation. Like we did last week, we read some words of Nebuchadnezzar. This week, I want to read you some words of Darius at the end of the chapter. He says in chapter 6, it says, For he is a living God. He endures forever. This is what Darius has realized after the lion's den. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. God wants to rescue you too. God's kingdom never ends. Will you join it? If you haven't, now's the time. If you need anything else, prayers or anything, we're going to stand and we're going to sing.